everyone, welcome to the 15th episode of Mixtape Book Club Podcast. My name's Ellen. And my name is Mel. In each episode, we take a look at a different trope or subgenre in the huge collection of Destiel fan fiction. And today, we're going to be discussing one of the fandom's favourites and one of our personal favourite tropes, the two-person love triangle. And to discuss his fic, Four Letter Word for Intercourse, we would like to welcome very well-known Destiel author, Bending Signpost. Ben, would you like to say hi? Hi. How are you guys doing? Great. Oh, good. <laughs> Welcome. We're re- super excited to have you here. Um, so in, as well as Four Letter Word for Intercourse, we're also going to be talking about um, Waiting on a Signal by CB Firestarter and Trenchcoat Baby, and also Go Down with This Ship by Porcupine Girl. And links to all of the fics that we'll be discussing today will be available in the episode's post on mixtapebookclub.com and included in our special collection on AO3. Um, just a quick warning before we get started talking about this trope and these fics is um, that we are, somehow today we've managed to pick three fics that do have very adult content in them. Um, so things will be getting very not safe for work and small ears today. So um, if you're listening in the presence of... <laughs> of um you know impressionable ears um you might like to wait until you're alone <laughs> <No>. <laughs> maybe um just yeah just a warning for not safe for work we might be using words they don't want to hear you never know i mean we could always try to pull out some uh, some fcc guideline language <laughs> instead yeah i think we've got we've got a pretty good guideline for different words that we can use <laughs> Oh, yes. We will be talking about rosebuds in this episode. <laughs> Possibly entire rose bushes. Oh. As long as we don't get into too deep a discussion on tongue baths, we'll be fine. Okay, just gonna, gonna make sure we don't just go into in-depth of how to park cars. Just know that they become parked somehow. <laughs> so, two-person love triangles, how much do we love them? <laughs> I've been waiting for this episode for so long. It's legitimately my favorite trope. <laughs> Me too. Um, but even though, like, I was gonna just start by saying that even though this is a, a recognized um, trope on TV tropes, like, a, you know, that people know about it, um, it's not an official tag on AO3. Um, I think that. Um, we were talking on Twitter with um, Porcupine Girl earlier today, and she was saying how the um, that their fic go down with this ship was possibly the first fic to actually the first STL fic to actually use two person love triangle as a tag. Um, but it's still, even though that was a few years yeah, ago, and that fic was uh, completed in two thousand sixteen, <laughs> and they have still not yet canonized that tag, despite there now being I don't know quite a quite a few out there I think with uh, the two person love triangle tag um, so hopefully someone gets onto that and um, it gets like I know they've got tag wranglers who work all that thing all that out don't they and they change tags or they group tags together kind of thing so that if you search for one you get the variants but I don't yes. think that's like, happened for this yet no I did try searching earlier with kind of a few different ways of phrasing it and punctuating it and uh it doesn't pop up as a canonical tag for any of them so which makes it that little bit more difficult to search for them yeah you have to start a petition to have it canonized i'd back that (laughs) if our our (laughs) fandom can do anything i reckon we can do that 
So I guess um, two-person love triangles we should probably define. Like I, and most people would know what like by the name what it actually is, but in our case, it's where Dean and Cass um, sort of meet each other in two separate ways. Often these days, it's um, like an online component versus an in-person one, or um, in the case of four-letter word, we've got a a, a phone on the phone relationship that's separate from an actual in-person one. So they basically fall in love in two separate places and you're when you're writing it, you're writing two separate love stories basically that get to converge at some point, which is so much fun, <laughs> both to read and write, don't you think? It is oh, yeah. the most fun. And you've done, let's see, you've done um, online with yours because you did them meeting through gaming right yeah basically that's right. not quite world of warcraft but <laughs> <laughs> almost world of warcraft <laughs> so you've and done, you've it done that way. various chat um you know groups and you know gish kind of ish gish ish yeah. <laughs> interactions <laughs> so yeah and i mean there's so many variations on different ways that this sort of trope can be created like um you think about it like you think, oh, there's not how many ways can you actually have them knowing each other in different ways, but you really can. It's a lot of different people are very creative with the ways they put this one together. Just the more you list, the more my brain is going, okay, so for my next attempt, can I do three simultaneous relationships? And I'm like, no, <laughs> slow down, <laughs> put that idea on ice, don't do that. But three would be, no. That would be so interesting and also possibly really confusing, both for you and... So <laughs> maybe confusing. Reason. Maybe that's the point of it. <laughs> that might be the point of it, be like, oh, I can recommend a friend to you, but wait, what, what? Mm -hmm. <laughs> the friend is actually me. Okay. All right, I need to stop talking about that now. All right. <laughs> now that you've mentioned it, I'm actually sitting here really surprised at like realizing that I've never done one where they've met gaming at all. How? How have I not oh, done no. that? I've written like four or five of these. <laughs> that's your next. Um, that's your next one, right? So I guess another like, it's not always just the two of them not knowing each other the whole time either. Like sometimes there's variation where. It's just one of them who doesn't know that they're actually, they actually know the same person, but they think it's two different people. That makes sense. So it's more of a triangle, mm -hmm. I guess, literally in that. It's like, kind of just like a, just like two legs, like a triangle with no, I was going to say a triangle with no bottom. And given the amount of BDSM we'll be talking about today, <laughs> I don't, that could be misleading. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it's like, it's like the superhero thing where, um, you know, Superman has an, you know, an identity, a secret identity. And in real life, he also knows Lois Lane separately, you know, like it's that kind of thing. Yeah. It's one person who doesn't know. My jam has always been the, uh, the four person, the, sorry, the two person love rectangle, yeah. otherwise known as when Superman is in love with Batman and Bruce Wayne and Bruce Wayne is in love with Superman and Clark Kent and just the sheer shenanigans that ensue when it's both of them not knowing. Versus the strangeness when one person either already knows or is contriving to remain two separate people. And it's a, a vastly different dynamic when both people are in the dark about there only being two people. Yep, absolutely. Now I want to read. the most fun to read as well. I yeah. want to read Batman Superman. <laughs> <laughs> Someone write that. <laughs> uh, I'm sure that it's It's got to be out there, right? Like, yep. rules of the internet. It's out there somewhere. 
Um, and so I guess one of the my favourite things about this also, not only does it allow for two, you know, personas to come out for each of the people, but also you get a bunch of near misses where they almost find out and then they don't quite. And that's such a good tension there. Like, it's a great way to build tension. Uh, there's definitely some suspension of disbelief that, I mean, just through both being on the, the writing and reading side, that sometimes when I've like been marking like the, the path progression of like what information has been shared, that like there's a certain degree of like once a crucial character detail goes, like the Impala is something that is so specific that once you say the word Impala, it's like that is a very specific thing to say in two locations. Whereas I've had people going for four letter words saying like, you mentioned a big black car. And I'm like, well, the clue movie would say that that's either a limousine or a hearse. So like big black (laughs) car is generic enough that that could be anything. But once it becomes up like, Oh, this is an identifying feature. So even just saying like what counts as an identifying feature can be kind of an interesting way of saying like, okay, how far apart are you guys being kept? And should you have put that together? I think there's a certain amount of fun in kind of wanting to yell at the characters a little bit and be like you're being so stupid but there's a line where it's crossed where it becomes too much and if they haven't picked up on it by that point um, (laughs) it definitely gets frustrating at that point and you do have to have that suspension of disbelief is is tested (laughs) but finding that sweet spot is wonderful like I tend to yell at characters a lot (laughs) (laughs) In this one. Yeah. I think yelling is uh, an integral part of shipping Destiel, period. <laughs> God, Especially yes. Dean and Cass. <laughs> yeah, like, more than any other ship ever. Yep. I've never wanted to yell at anyone as much as those two. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So, do you guys prefer the uh, the mutual reveal or like one person figures it out first? Do you have a preference? Oh, I definitely prefer the giant gobsmacking elephant in the room suddenly erupts they both find out at the same time where there's no like space for them to deal with it privately (laughs) yeah Yeah, i'm with you right there i agree as well and also be partially because um if one of them actually finds out before the other it feels a bit like um you can't let it that go on too long or it starts feeling a bit manipulative like i don't know like they they're keeping it a secret on purpose now and it's a bit weird (laughs) Does it make sense? Like, um, no, it does. I'd prefer it if I prefer it if they do both find out at the same time, and it's just a what the fuck kind of a moment, you know. I 100% agree with that. And then um, one of my picks that I wrote, which I don't really term as a two-person love triangle, because it is that strange kind of like one person has two identities, but the other person only has one. Yeah. So it's it's kind of. <laughs> half of a two-person love triangle um and that was the thing that I struggled with most during that because at no point did I want it to become some kind of manipulative thing where Dean was taking advantage of having more knowledge than Cass had yeah so it's it's a lot trickier to to write that I think and it's also just a lot more fun when you get to have like this whole rectangle situation going on yeah I do think it's also there is the, uh, an element of fun if you have one character who uh, is the the two that this was prior fandom I wrote a, a two-person love triangle for Sherlock BBC in which uh, the Sherlock character had he had two personas 
whereas the John Watson character had just one persona, and uh, our our dual persona wielding character was like, yes, but I'm only seducing you as myself. So clearly, <laughs> there won't be an issue with my secondary personality. What do you mean you reject me for me and you're into my other personality? This yeah, you went weird. the wrong way, and like the like, I feel like you could do a a bit there of like that's it's still manipulative like it's still pretty darn weird but if it's only intending in certain ways like if you had clark kent doing weird sort of i know things about lois lane that i couldn't possibly i think um one of the that that one-sided kind of thing um, is sometimes tagged as identity porn so Mm. if you don't if you're not into that you can sort of filter it out if you want to but um I don't know if it's always tagged as that. That seems to be another tag where it's a bit wishy-washy where people actually use it or not. So that's uh, yeah. the perils of tagging. Mm. Such an amazing and useful system, but occasionally it makes it tricky to find exactly what you need. I I enjoy how it overlaps with certain elements of farce. That uh, there's just when people talk about fanfic, just in the you get the people who are like, oh, fanfic, true. <laughs> derogatory term and then yeah. it's just like uh we're doing the same shenanigans that shakespeare had a lot of fun with so uh what's your deal yeah because the the sheer 12th night of it sometime where you're just okay <laughs> how it's many almost, characters can we shuffle and it's almost like pant like a pantomime where it's like he's behind you and then you look around he's not there you know <laughs> like that that can be really effective in this kind of fic too like just the near miss kind of you almost get it and then you just don't which is brilliant Mm -hmm. yeah and i love the freedom that fanfic gives us to take those concepts which could be really written in such a cracky way that whole oh he knows oh no he doesn't (laughs) it really could be written like that but it gives us the chance to actually take them seriously and write them in such a way that, that they do come across as genuine serious stories yeah I mean, they're real I, I they're that. real like ancient <laughs> theatrical principles right like this is real this is storytelling from you know the olden days <laughs> mm-hmm. that we're still using in all of our um, words these days so yeah, yeah. Awesome. I mean I could go on pages about like the history of storytelling in general um, but I think it's really fascinating it says a lot that even when given like a carte blanche to write whatever we want like no one tells you what to write in fanfic well mm-hmm. we'll we'll ignore we'll ignore the corners of the fandom where they try to do that but, <laughs> <laughs> but nobody tells you what to write and yet somehow we still end up gravitating towards these very specific knowns of storytelling that that work then that's you know it's absolutely because that's the way that human brains work but um it's, it's really fascinating to me that we do that and somehow we often manage to do it better than uh, TV and various kinds of scripts <laughs> do, in my opinion. Yeah, well, fanfic also has the, the inbuilt advantage of we know who these characters are. That yeah. uh, you can have someone going in under a fake name, but you give the basic, uh, the keywords of like, okay, he smiled in a way that showed too much of his gums. Okay, that's Cass. All right, the bow-legged <laughs> yeah. man. All right, we got Dean. Like, the guy who's impossibly tall. There's Sam. Like, it's just boom, 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 boom. Yep. Very short descriptions, you immediately know who it is, and thus we're allowed to play this absurd game of uh, just hide the ball under the cup, shuffle, 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 and we still know who's who. Yeah, and we also get the added benefit of knowing that it's going to have a happy ending. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's tags. Not, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if it's like not all fanfic does, obviously, but 
we know that the point of the, of the whole thing is for them to get together. So it, it, it's safe to read, like in your mind, you know, like it, you're thinking they could go through all this crap and be so sad and then, but in the end they're going to get together and it's going to be okay. So there's yeah, something comforting. I might actually put up point. with more from fanfic than I would in, you know, a book or a movie I didn't know the ending of just because there's that carrot dangling at the end. Well, I know that that fic has been tagged with a certain thing and that is what I want to get to. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if uh, more movies were tagged like fanfic that, I mean, I want to watch more queer films. I do, but I also don't have the bandwidth to be like oh good oh oh like i just can't take it anymore (laughs) oh it's a minefield don't watch things (laughs) oh yeah yeah, no i I do think it is getting better but queer content in general is still a minefield generally um it's, it's, it's getting better it's getting a lot better on the book front there's been a lot of really great book discourse on fandom twitter recently um it's really getting a lot better on the queer book front however the uh, queer television programming has a lot of catching up to do (laughs) not even star trek is safe no no i guess that's when um when recommendations by other people become so important because then you can if you find people that like the same sort of things that you do um then you can take their advice on what to read, I guess, and stay away from things that you would rather not, if in the absence of actual tags. <laughs> and there's there's a sense of kind of camaraderie with it too. Whereas I know that there are fics out there that I've read where if maybe I had just been confronted with the tags, I probably wouldn't have picked them up to read. Yeah. Um, but then I've had friends that have read them and there's something about sharing that experience which makes it easier to deal with. <laughs> Mm. So, you know, kind of wish that, you know, films and, and TV shows and books could, could be tagged like fanfic, honestly. Yeah. Oh, I had one last idea about the, the, the like, sort of the, the compelling force behind why the two-person love triangle trope is that when you see, like, particularly in queer scenarios, the, the solution question mark to when you see, like, the generic love triangle is, why not both? And the two-person love triangle is something that answers why not both with because both is just one person, it's fine. So the the whole having your cake and eating it too, and also the bizarreness of like, does this does this mean that our relationships were a lie? No, this means that we now have excruciatingly added depth to our relationship. Yes. That is why we love it. (laughs) Bouncing off that a tiny little bit, actually, I think part of the reason why it works so well particularly for the characters that we're dealing with in this fandom is because miscommunication is pretty much their main trope canonically (laughs) and giving them two different facets where usually they see different parts of each other so usually in a two-person love triangle you'll have even though they've, they've met in different ways they'll maybe be able to let down their guard more with one side than another or they're putting on some kind of show for one person that the other person doesn't see and they'll get to see kind of behind the scenes of that person and I think that that's particularly valid there's there's a lot of comparisons that could be made to the kind of performing Dean trope that we have specifically um, where if Cass had had to wait patiently to see those parts of Dean he may never have got there (laughs) and because he gets you know because he gets that kind of behind the scenes look where there's less pressure because usually they 
can't see each other or they might be masked in some way or ho however they've met um, it comes down to, to that thing where a lot of the time you can be more honest with your online friends than with the person you sit next to at work right <laughs> so yeah. I think that really feeds into that trope and actually for me makes it a lot more interesting because you get to see Dean talking about things that maybe he wouldn't for a long time if it was an AU where they just met normally you know Sorry, tangent. <laughs> no, it's very true. <laughs> Absolutely. The code switching is intense. Mm -hmm. All right, well, we've got three fics to talk about, so we better get into them, um, So, because I feel like we're going to have plenty to discuss here. <laughs> Shall we start with um, Waiting on a Signal? Yeah, let's go for it. All right, so Waiting on a Signal um, is by CB Firestarter and Trenchcoat Baby. Um, it was published in 2019 and it is 90,000 words long and it is explicit um, and it has, I guess there's no particular warnings, but it, it is um, obviously set in a BDSM club, so they um, there's going to be plenty of kink, kinky stuff in this one. So the summary goes like this. Dean Winchester, hardworking medic, has two ways of coping with the demands of the job. One, he chats online with his anonymous best friend and fellow medic, Flyboy83. Two, he's a member of Black and Blue, a BDSM club where he subs twice a month. One night, he's finally paired with a blue-eyed dom he's been eyeing for months, a man he's waited to call master. Or the story of how Dean and Castiel are online best friends who fuck each other senselessly in real life and never even know it. <laughs> it's such an amazing um, premise <laughs> to start with this one. Um, but I will say before we start getting into it that this um, this fic has minimal kind of tags at the beginning and a lot of the tag the kinky tags are in each chapter. So if you're if you're going to give this one a go and you're worried about particular kinks, then um, you know you can just read by chapter and a lot of the um, the kinks are listed in the author notes. So uh -huh. this is like the my favorite of their work their works that they've written together. Um, mostly because not only has it got some really excellent kind of extremely hot, um, you know, BDSM scening, which, um, I'm not always into reading a whole lot of, but it is, you know, very, uh, well-written and, and safe and consensual and all that kind of thing that goes along with that. Um, but it also has some really beautiful, bluffy kind of relationship building, which I really, really love. They, and they both write so well. No, I have to admit that I agree. This is one of like the fluffiest BDSM fics that I've ever read. Um, oddly enough, I don't seek out BDSM fics to read necessarily, um, yeah. but the, the, I, I guess I do read a lot of tags that it seems to intersect with a lot. Um, and this one, I'm pretty sure that I read this as they were posting it, or I joined like halfway through they were posting it maybe, Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and jumped in and caught up on a chunk and then read the last few chapters. And I actually think, even though, like as you said, this is like it's really well written. One of the things I really like uh, when uh, CB and Trenchcoat Baby do um, their BDSM fix is that the way that they write them. Yes, obviously you have this kinky scene going on, and there's bits flying everywhere and skin and God knows what else. But <laughs> you are in the moment enough that it's more of an emotional scene rather than just a physical one. 
Yeah. And for me, that's what makes the difference between a good BDSM story and a bad one. Um, I am more interested, I guess, in what's going on in the character's head than, you know, what their body is doing necessarily. I mean, obviously, that's great. Fair enough. <laughs> but I really like that they bring in all those other aspects and that, you know, as a lot of people will quite rightly point out in their stories, thank goodness, BDSM is not just a physical thing. And they very clearly remember that when they're writing. And that makes me so much more interested in their scenes when I'm reading it than in, you know, some throwaway BDSM erotica thing. Like, no, no. To me, it's all about the characters. So that, that makes it much better. Um, and this story, I really loved the, the um, like, the non-completely, like, day-to-day non-BDSM parts of it. It was really, really fascinating to me. I learned a lot <laughs> reading this story. I learned a lot about, like, the, how, like, paramedic side of things and the, the flying stuff. Clearly, my vocabulary is wonderful. <laughs> um, but I actually learned a lot from reading this, and I love that feeling when I put down a fic. I'm like, huh, I learned things. So, yeah. Just the entire idea of oh wait there there would be apps for for medics to be able to just complain about their days without getting trouble with their bosses. This does make sense as a as a very distinct place for them to meet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's so unique. Like to to have come up with that as a fit concept, I think is is really great, and uh, they made it make sense so well. I loved it. Yeah, I guess we didn't mean to turn this um, episode into like a BDSM chat, but um, it's, um, I think it really... We can talk about it without talking about it, you know? Like yeah, it can... of course. No, really. Uh, no, I was just going to say that in those type, like fix that do include like a, a dom-sub kind of um, dynamic, even if it's not actual scenes, um, it sort of plays into usually, or like in a well-written one, it shows how much they both kind of need it like they need the Dean usually or like I don't want to say usually because he's not always the sub and Cass is not always the Dom but it shows that they need that kind of control either taken away or they need to have control to make the other person feel better or you know and that's it's also a psychological thing for them like almost therapy to um, you know it's comforting for each of them to have this um, as well as being sexually fulfilling if that makes sense and I think that's something that's much better represented in fanfic than it is in the mainstream. Um, yeah. I, I, I could go on for a long time on that. Like, I have lots of thoughts about why that probably is and, like, marginalised communities and all kinds of things. <laughs> but I won't bore everybody with that. But, you know, it's definitely something that I think is much better represented in fanfic than in the real world. And as much as I always, always, always say that, you know, fanfic is not sex education nor should it ever be and that should not be where people are learning anything from (laughs) Um, I'm at least glad that if it's a starting point for people that we do at least have um, kind of a whole bunch of writers out there who are giving good genuine representation to things and I'm really hoping that people go beyond that and learn you know correctly as they should and don't ever take anything that they read in fanfic to be you know, an educational experience. Um, but I hope it, if it's opening doors, it's opening the right ones, at least. Yeah. Um, notice that this one was one that they uh, didn't have the simultaneous reveal, that it was a scenario where it's like only one of them would have noticed and then the other one finds that after. And 
just sort of that again like the whole like you can't have that going too long and uh, that uh just that uh neither character intentionally revealed themselves to each other even though we had like the the first bit of uh, one person finds that first the second person finds that after like with the whole like strained communication going down of ah i'm going to pull back oh no the other person means to rush forward and through rushing forward they will find out the thing yeah so just interesting to see how different stories handle those reveals that uh, often when you have one character who does the i'm gonna pull back on the way you don't have the other character's response to be nope it's time to go and make the giant gesture so that was uh <laughs> that was unexpected I do love a good giant gesture in fic now and again, I have to say. <laughs> you can definitely get away with things in fic that would be ridiculous in real life. So um, I, I love it when we have these like giant outlandish gestures in fic. I feel like that, that it's Cass who's like, I'm going to make the, the absurd thing go. That is like, yeah, you uh, your, your idea of, of what is normal and what is acceptable is often in a strange amount of fluctuation. So like, all right, go Cass, go. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it weirdly yeah. makes more sense when it's him whereas Dean yes. I feel like the embarrassment would set in at some point absolutely yeah D Dean would stop himself at some point he would self-sabotage at some point yeah he would start going ah oh, chick flick ah oh, no <laughs> the other thing that's great about this one with um, both of them uh, sort of falling in love in two different scenarios I guess is that they they both keep saying to them, each of them keeps saying to themselves, this is, I can't, we can't do this. Like, I can't, I can't fall for this guy in the, in the club. <laughs> it's never going to work, you know, but they do anyway. Like it, they just, despite their, themselves, they still do, which is very canon, I guess, because, um, you know, <laughs> through the whole show, they've been always not canonically, but, you know, thinking that they could never go there, you know, um, I guess from Kaz's side, at least it's canon. Um, and in this one, it's really well kind of, uh, they, they do it over and over again, you know, like they're always saying in this one, um, I can't, I can't fall in love with him, but I kind of am. And they also do the whole discussion of like, is there someone else you're seeing? Is there someone else I want to see? And that initially you see them edging closer and closer to the, the conversation where they're going to decide to sort of like re-up their relationship in the club or cut it out entirely. And then you approach it thinking, oh, okay, they're actually going to completely split yeah. And then uh, reveals come out that's like, oh, wait, no, we're going to actually double down. Oh, okay, I thought you were going to officially break up so you could officially get together, but you just speed run that. <laughs> yeah. I remember at the time there was, because um, it was posted serially, there was a lot of screaming in the comments around that area. Like, <laughs> everyone was like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? You know, but, um, yeah, I'm glad that they didn't sort of um, make it to... Um, you know, neither of them got too angry at each other. I guess that that was what I was mainly worried about when I get to fix like this in general, where one of them will find out. And I'm always expecting them to get really angry about the whole thing because uh, maybe that's just how I would react if I found out that, I, <laughs> especially if the other person already knew. But um, but no, I think that's why the rectangle thing tends to work better for me, just because like, well, they can't be that angry when they were doing the same thing. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I think that's why the rectangle thing kind of comes easier. That's why I enjoy the mutual reveal too, because just the sheer shock of it becomes the honesty of like, wait, we're both bewildered? Yeah, you didn't know? I didn't know? No? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> so they do have, um, also have the their family around them. Like, we've got 
Dean has Sam with him to kind of, um, I guess eventually it all comes out and he, they work it out, like Sam gives him the advice of, of how to deal with it all. So that's good. He's got a support network. And um, I think I'm trying to remember who Cass has as his side, but, you know, there's, there's found family all around them in this one and I really love that. They've also got Billy and Pam in the club itself who to support them through it as well, which I really like. I love um, fics that have Pam in them. <laughs> I just love yes. her. She's a great yeah. character. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't mention at the beginning, but this fic also has some really um, very explicit and, you know, quite lovely, <laughs> I guess, weird way to describe it. But yes, um, artwork by Geo in the middle in the middle of chapter three. So if you're into some artwork, um, just be warned it is quite extremely not safe for work that one so <laughs> watch out it's one of those ones where if you're reading on your phone in public you'll have to like very suddenly yeah scroll just past quickly thumb quickly <laughs> and then go back with covering it with your hand <laughs> <laughs> not that i've ever done that okay, so is it time to uh, to go down with the ship hell yeah <laughs> so the second uh fic that we are going to talk about today is go down with this ship by porcupine girl um, this was published for Tropefest back in 2017, and it's 31,000 words and is explicit. Um, and the summary goes like this. Since he has to stay deep in the closet to protect his job as a children's librarian in conservative Wichita, Kansas, Dean's main outlet for sexual frustration is writing and reading slash fiction for his favorite show, Devil Boys. When he starts corresponding with Angel of Thursday, another male slash writer in his ship, he really is just looking for friendship. But when it seems like more might be on the table, he's not going to turn it down. If only he didn't also have a crush on Cass, the hot volunteer at his library branch. If only. Can I scream now? Yay! <laughs> <laughs> you can scream. I read this one ages back that when you linked it, I was like, oh, it's this one! Like, when you just started describing it, my brain went, Devil Boys! And I don't know why the name of the fictional show in the story was like <laughs> like do i remember the author's name no do i remember the specifics no do i remember the random thing they wrote fanfic about yes i don't know why brains are weird sometimes oh yeah so this was the very first two-person love triangle fic that i read because within the fandom i'm pretty certain it was the very first one it was definitely the very first tagged um two-person love triangle um and i've not found as of yet <laughs> any untagged ones that were earlier than this um so this is kind of the the og two-person love triangle fic for the fandom um so it's not that old really is it it's it, no it's, it's definitely i would say like a, a newer trope i guess if that's i mean i'm sure the trope itself existed long before that but it just wasn't much used um in the fandom mm-hmm. um and this is definitely the first one that I found and was definitely what inspired me to write two-person love triangle stories in general. In fact, um, she probably doesn't remember this, but I DM'd a porcupine girl on Twitter <laughs> after I read this because I had this idea and obviously I wanted to um, link her fic in my story to just be like, look, this is where I discovered this trope. It's great. Go read it. <laughs> like to just shove people in that direction. Um, so I messaged her to make sure that she'd be okay with that and that sort of thing. Oh, um, so <laughs> yeah, I know that was small. Mal, actually, no, it wasn't that long ago. How long ago was this? 
a few years back, a couple years back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, it took um, a while for there to be a lot of these fix going around, because I remember going down, like, binging that whole, like, ooh, how many can I, of these can I read? And then quickly exhausting that pile, and that was when I read this for the first time, and then had to sit for, like, several years being like, but how to contrive how to contrive the scenario. Is this why there are so few? Because you can't contrive the scenario. Ah. Yep. Oh, what a way That's to start the off with this Coming up with them. Yep. So. yep. People are so creative though, like we said earlier. <laughs> There's so many different ways you can do it. You just have to come up with it and pull it off. That's the tricky part. And this fic obviously is like fascinating and great and almost quite meta to read as a fanfic writer because it's obviously based on two people who also write slash fic <laughs> so yes. which is, isn't something we see a lot um in fanfic i do know of at least one other story that does it which we'll mention later um but this is particularly fascinating it was the first time i'd seen that as well like seen the characters kind of taken and kind of put in our shoes a little bit yeah so, so. yeah i love that um the it's almost like a, a love letter to fandom really this one because um she does say how lovely it is to have friends in fandom who you can talk to about your writing and um you know as someone who has found uh only in the last few years since i started writing um, some really awesome friends through fandom um i really appreciate <laughs> this story um and the way that it deals with that so yeah i also love the tumblr shade like the way they like <laughs> i hate this tumblr ask box thing i'm just gonna post it and <laughs> you know that was really God, the fan mail thing yeah yeah uh, i don't yeah, know if they still i don't know if they still really do that do relate they? to dean in this because i'm that person who i've been on tumblr for a, a long time and now i think um and i've been on well, actively using twitter for like a year or whatever and you always see all these people that have like their friends and their group chats and all these people you know and i'm that person who's just there because i'm just so fucking awkward most of the time <laughs> i'm just like mm-hmm. how how do you make friends on this thing when it only works like 25 percent of the time <laughs> like, yeah how is this possible so definitely definitely related to dean in this one i vibe with it a lot with uh, the whole dean's job with the, the children's librarian that uh, some people who have uh, been around my Tumblr long enough know that uh, I, I do work with kids. And there is definitely the whole closeted fandom thing where you have to be doubly closeted, where it's like, okay, is it a safe environment to even bring up the fact of being queer? And it certainly isn't going to be any territory where you bring in like, oh, yes, I do have knowledge of this fan fiction thing of which you speak. Yeah. And uh, so uh, some of uh, Dean's moments of oh god you we cannot talk about this here this is oh my goodness like it it felt very real and very well done Mm -hmm. it it rang true for a lot of the things there i really like the fact that he was specifically a children's librarian in this one because i really enjoy like librarian stories in general stories set in libraries or where one of them or the other is a librarian for some reason i don't know why just something i find quite enjoyable um but I also really, really like um, seeing Dean interact with children, specifically children that aren't his own <laughs> for some reason. Um, I think it's because, you know, we do kind of see him in canon. He's always actually really good with kids, but you get the impression that maybe he thinks he isn't. <laughs> but, oh, yeah, but, he, um, but he like actually does a lot better with them than, than he thinks. 
and so I kind of love stories that put him into situations where he's interacting with with other people's children I guess and in this case through through his job obviously he interacts with a lot of kids because I think that's a side of Dean that we don't get to see that often yeah in the first chapter especially is rang very familiar with me because basically one of their first interactions is is almost word for word a conversation that I've had with you at one point Mel about um, yes. uh, you know now I've got to find it in the big and, and work it out but I was reading it going oh my god I've had this discussion with, <laughs> with somebody um yeah, I've got to find it and also in the first chapter he's uh there's some commenter who's been commenting about the inaccuracy of the smut or something <laughs> he's right yes. back going Ben I, I'm pretty sure you've had some experience oh. with this kind of thing but look <laughs> that, that just made bodies are different <laughs> and this yeah. is not meant to be an instructional video <laughs> uh, that, that's my main thing yeah I always get so frustrated by that I think every fit writer does but it's even worse like it has to be worse for male slash writers clearly like, please don't tell me how penis works. I have one. <laughs> like, it's got to be even more frustrating. So, but yeah, people people tend not to keep those comments to themselves, unfortunately. Yeah. And some of it's the, the just plain funny that uh, there was a, a little thing. I, put, I can't remember what I called it, but there was a, a story I did where I just did some basic Googling around of like, is this actually possible? And uh, yeah, there are actually... Uh, people who are self-lubricating weirdly enough in that uh, there is uh, there is a gland in the in the back door that is meant to uh, meant to excrete things to help get uh, get the poop out and as it turns out uh, that it's not just gay men there are some some well it doesn't matter about sexuality anyway but the men and women doesn't matter intersex who knows it's just people who have a specifically sensitive gland that goes aha that is time to lubricate and uh it's quite bizarre where you're like, wait, that sounds like a bizarre fanfic concept, but no, reality is actually weirder than that. Like, you, you still shouldn't do it. <laughs> you really shouldn't do it because there's many reasons why it could go wrong, but it's like you technically could. <laughs> so whenever people come at me with the whole like, no, but there needs to be it, I'm like, no, let me tell you this bizarre concept. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is actually real. What? Yeah, don't do it anyway. It's a bad idea. Make yourself pretty bad, probably. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it doesn't protect as much as, you know, other things designed to protect would. So. Yeah. Uh, well. Things designed to protect. I'm sorry. That sends my brain down the whole worst thing you've ever seen used as lube in thick discussion. Oh, oh God. <laughs> oh, the butter. Oh, why butter? <laughs> so much butter. <laughs> I, th I think the the worst one I've ever seen, this was like, to be fair, it was like a survival fic, but it was like fat rendered off of seals they'd clubbed. Oh my god. <laughs> I love the detail that they clubbed them themselves. Like, yeah, just... there, was so, there was so much detail that went into it. Oh my god. Just one guy with a club, then the guy behind him with a knife, just going, getting as many seals as they possibly could. And then <laughs> oh they, they used the fat from these poor dead animals, and I'm like... Wow, that's really specific. It is. Kind of violent. Extremely. On on the one hand, I'm like, you know, let's let's try and keep it, you know, realistic, like things that would work as, as lube and that kind of stuff. But on the other hand, there's that part of my brain that's like, but you know what? 
when humans are horny, they <laughs> yeah. go to gra- they will go to great lengths. Okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> so. And there's Definitely there's entire websites just dedicated to the thing the person went to the hospital with because they thought it was a good idea. <laughs> oh yes, yep. complete with X-rays. Yep. I think oh, there's yes. a few of those in um in waiting on a signal actually. <laughs> um yeah. <laughs> yeah, there are. Yeah. A few of them were mentioned. <laughs> One or two. Well, uh, go down with this ship at least has no ill-advised lubrication use no it does not <laughs> and i did find i did find the conversation looking back around to non um you know sexual chat um at one point um Cass does say i'm gonna write this thing and then dean goes yeah you should write that and he goes oh you don't really want the next chapter of this other thing i'm writing and <laughs> and i'm like yes. oh my god <laughs> it's like where the number of words. times that me and you have had that conversation. I'm not the one who tries oh, to so juggle real. ten fix at once. I can hardly handle one at a time. I have dead set said that. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> never mind. Yeah, I'm the terrible person that juggles ten things at a time. I wish I was the person that only wrote one fic at a time. Like, teach me your ways. <laughs> oh, God, me too. One of the things they also bring up is that um, that I think it was Dean who found it a bit little odd that that he he was in a space in in fandom where everyone was really young. And I think a lot of the time we forget that um, people who write, like there are some young writers who are brilliant and they, they write really well and they, I mean, I envy, envy them because when I was 18 years old, <laughs> I was not writing anything of any, <laughs> anyone would want to read. But a lot of the people who are fanfic authors are, um, you know, tend to be older, um, you know, 30s or 40s even. And so I, this, that was acknowledged at one point in, the, in this story and I appreciated that too. <laughs> I definitely liked that they were slightly more it feels wrong to say middle-aged about people in their 30s but <laughs> yeah <laughs> people people i did appreciate that they were that age i generally for the most part tend to relate better to fic when they're that kind of age um but in this one particularly because it felt so personal with the whole fanfic writing thing yeah, um, I really liked that, that they were that age and I also really liked it because when Dean is then explaining his kind of his his history of sexuality of Dean Winchester um, and he's talking about um, his experiences with Charlie and how he kind of came to understand his own sexuality through fandom, through fanfic, through realising that the, the difference between you know sexual and romantic love and and hero worship and that kind of thing um all of those all of those references were just right on a par for me yeah <laughs> they, they they were all perfect even though obviously the show that um pg has had them write about uh devil boys and this obviously is not real it's just a, a take up of um of our <laughs> beloved supernatural obviously yeah. um but th- there's so much else that's referenced in here from Harry Potter to the MCU, Star Trek, um, a lot of like Spock, Kirk stuff referenced in here. Yeah. Um, and I, I loved it. I love just like rolling around in those references. <laughs> yes. I'm going to have to read it again, I think, just to, uh, because it's one of those fix where, like, similar to a four letter word for intercourse, where you sort of get to the end and then you realize that all the way through there's been, you know, extra things that you didn't pick up on the first time. And you, I really, I need to go back and. Because uh, this is the first time I've read this one. I don't know why. I thought it's very similar to another fic that I've read, which involves librarians, um, like children's librarians. And I thought I'd read this one before, but I hadn't. So, loved it. 
Oh, I'm glad I could shove this fic into your orbit forcefully. Yes, thank you. You have been trying to for a while, I think. I have. I'm sorry. (laughs) This one also has some um, very not safe for work art in it, um, in a kind of a comic book style, which I quite like. Uh, The artist is called Horror Femme. I mean, at the end of chapter one, there's one. Yeah, there's also one. I'm not sure if it's every chapter, but there's definitely definitely a few in here. It might be every chapter. I'm not sure. I'm always fascinated by artwork in Toothless and Love Triangle Fix, though, because I love to see how artists represent um, the kind of two sides of it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the different ways that they choose to do that. And it was definitely done in a really interesting way in this one with the kind of, like, almost like a, a comic strip with them being in different panels. So Yeah, and like imagining what they might do and <laughs> kind of thing that was very cool. Yeah. I also really liked the the kind of general running theme through this one um obviously it starts off with the reader realizes that dean lives in this very conservative area has a job where he has to be perhaps more concerned even than than a lot of other people um about his job and any any interaction with his sexuality at all um because like i I also live in a very very conservative place so I related to that, and obviously we find out later. Don't think it's a, a, any kind of spoiler given that it's a two-person love triangle that Cass miraculously also lives in this area <laughs> and uh, is is volunteering at the same library branch. Um, but the Cass, even though he's in the same area, he has a different experience than Dean does. I think there's there's something, I guess, almost hopeful there <laughs> that sometimes you can yeah, be, yeah, and even you know, in a place where t- to Dean's mind this is a really bigoted place this is not where he wants to, to be um, he can't be himself here and while there's an element of truth in that it, it it sometimes does come down to where you know and that there's no perfect place there are good and bad people everywhere yeah speaking of things being along the fandom lines it is a lot of uh, curating your own experience and that uh, Dean has uh, written himself into the corner of yeah I work with kids I'm over here I uh, just when you are an adult man who works with children, there's many extra precautions and training things that go into make sure that you do not even come close to any lines that could ever be crossed of like, mm-hmm. I've had moments of panicking where like, I once had a student like wander after me into a room where I'm like, okay, you thought you saw this on the floor, I'll go try to clean it up. And then like the kid came in behind me and closed the door and I like nearly died of panic. Because it's like, you cannot be alone in a room with a child. And I was like, open the door, open the door, open the door. Like, is it a mouse? I'm like, no, it's a leaf. But please open the door anyway. <laughs> but, yeah. and just so that you have a character who's working with this, like, baseline of like, okay, this is, like, the fic didn't need to go into the levels of anxiety that, like, Dean could be having over having that role, plus the gay. Because... Yeah like when areas are more conservative it's a lot more like oh you're gay so you're a child molester and i'm like wow that was a that was a jump there yeah, but that was, uh, that was a big leap you took that's a yeah. big leap there why is that such a not a leap for people sometimes mm-hmm. so for him to be like the job definitely reinforces his view of the area whereas Cass, who's like i don't work with kids at all no this is a much queerer thing and uh sort of the, the weird trade-offs that get made depending on where you go. Yeah, yep. and, and what kind of adult you have to be during working hours. <laughs> God, yes. Yeah, I guess that separated their personas um, quite a lot because I think 
Cass always assumes that Dean's straight the whole time and that completely closed off kind of way of his where, you know, he's got his mask firmly in place or whatever. I think it, I think it comes from different places in this, this fic specifically, whereas, you know, working at the library, they're both assuming that the other one is straight. Cass is doing it kind of based off the way that Dean is presenting himself, like a certain amount of overcompensation, maybe. Um, or he's presenting himself a certain way and that's leading Cass to believe that he's straight. Whereas when you read it, it feels a lot more like Dean is assuming Cass is straight out of fear. <laughs> yes. Um, which is, yeah, very relatable. <laughs> so, How do I ask if you're available without getting punched in the face? I want to know. <laughs> I like that. I do like, uh, even though like figures escapism for the most part, I do like you know some kind of real life issues to be touched on in in fic. So I do like that without them kind of necessarily being all of the fic. Like it's the the main plot yeah. line of this is definitely like fun and hot and not at all kind of the the big heavy thing that I'm making it sound. It's not. It's it's a really fun story more than anything. Yeah. Um, but I I love that those things are all there in the background and that even without them being dwelled upon a lot, they're very clear in the story. I mean the the first chapter ends with them thinking, oh, I need to get out of this town, and when you get into just the the sheer experience that Cass has in the same area, and it's like actually you you could be okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, so it's a weirdly hopeful way that twists it around a bit. After saying all that, we have to reiterate that this is a very fluffy fic. There is a lot of fluff, especially after they discover, uh, you know, their Please. identities. <laughs> um, you know, they do. There's not any angst really in this one. It's just all really lovely, fluffy stuff. Yeah, I'm sorry. You put any angsty thing, even remotely angsty thing, in front of me, and I'm just like, "Ooh, shiny! Must pick up, must play with." So, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I, I think the only the, the only real angst in this necessarily is is what Dean creates for himself, <laughs> like what he is yeah. thinking might happen. Yeah, that's true. Yep. He, does, he does that a lot in a lot of things. <laughs> I kind of I kind of like that as a reader though, because you're just there, like going, "No." <laughs> Yeah. Cats isn't like that, you idiot. <laughs> so, I enjoy that. Apparently I just like it's yelling like, at Dean. I've learned that today. I mean, if Dean wasn't doing that, where would the stakes be? So, yep, he's, he's the required idiot. We need him to do this. <laughs> and he's so good at it. So. Practice. Poor Dean. <laughs> this fic actually does contain my favourite footnote in any, um, well, footnote, any endnote. Uh, in any story ever yeah. um, and that's where she is explaining um, you know, let me, I will read it, it's right here somewhere yeah, it's Porcupine Girl's um, axiom of smutty discussion <laughs> it's like as the time spent in a chat room full of fic writers goes on to infinity, the probability of discussing rimming approaches one and I love that that is just an end note by itself with no explanation required <laughs> That <laughs> in a, a larger meta sort of context of I remember that because uh, like when when I just see the the initial bit and like skimming through more of the stuff that was in the story because again like I I did not reread the story because I was like I remember enough of it turns out I did not I should reread it again but um uh, I remember at the time that it was coming out there were a lot of those if you're writing fanfic this is how sex works 
And then there were people who had the response wave of the one finger, two finger, three finger, woo! Yeah, and like God. that was a th- <laughs> that was a thing that was just like drilled into everything. And so seeing this fic like start with just a rebuttal to that nonsense. And there's some there's a chapter where Cass is like, yeah, I'm not a gold star gay. And just seeing little <laughs> things like that was just really refreshing in the uh, I guess the the cultural context of the fic of the time that it was being posted in because that that was oh goodness that was an interesting time for uh, watching people yell at each other about how sex and fiction works yeah yes. there, are, there are waves of what goes on in fandom i guess yep so this was a, a great palate cleanser at the time for the the level of oh please everyone stop the current wave, unfortunately, seems to be that people aren't allowed to write smutty things at all, which... Well, is, you, if you think a bad thought, that means you did the bad thought and you will die. And I'm like, that's... Shush. It's a little extreme. Let's... <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so, still yeah, going on at the that. moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> always. It, it will always go on. Yeah, it will always go on. Yeah. And eventually people will... <laughs> they'll get a bit older and they'll look back and most times they'll probably cringe but mm-hmm. but yeah it was really actually fun to see the whole kind of like I guess Tumblr environment from that time recreated in this story because mm. um, Tumblr is very different now um, there was the whole yes the whole nipple yeah, gate yeah. issue that <laughs> caused so many problems <laughs> and it all just went downhill from there um, yeah, and, and obviously this was back in a time when now we do have much easier kind of messaging on Tumblr. Not that it works most of the time, but in theory, we have much easier ways to communicate on Tumblr than they did during this particular story. And I think in one of her notes uh, somewhere, she actually mentions that like while she was writing this or posting it or something like that, uh, Tumblr actually kind of updated to the slightly better format that we have now. Yeah. Um, but I kind of love this the way it is, as like a bit of a time capsule, really. Uh, like, I, it's always been a little difficult to use, you know, just ways that like you think should work and then they just don't and the formatting doesn't work properly and it's just a bit frustrating. But anyway. Yeah, I think Tumblr's functionality itself is kind of like a barrier for entry. Like if you, yeah. if, you <laughs> yeah. like if you have the patience to get through this, then you deserve to be here. <laughs> <It's kind> of... <laughs> Uh, one of the things I really like, and this is this is definitely a spoiler, so, you know, plug your ears if you don't want a spoiler for the end of this fic, people. Um, one of the things that I really liked about this one is there is a scene um, towards the end where Dean comes out to Ellen, um, who is his, obviously, family friend, as we've heard of, but she's also his boss, um, yeah. which in this story holds kind of like particular significance, really. Um, and I kind of really enjoyed the fact that in this story it wasn't kind of glossed over and swept under the rug there was there was immediately a response of okay yes i'm i'm like your family that's fine i love you but in the very next second was that immediate thought of okay but this is going to affect your job this is going to affect your life um and i kind of like that i kind of have a love hate relationship with coming out scenes that are too perfect (laughs) um because obviously that's that's the dream and everybody would love that and so a lot of people you know want to represent that in fic and that's fine but for somebody who is in Dean's position that he's in in this story it's never going to be that simple um, as much as we would love it to be <laughs> it, it simply isn't in the situation that he's in 
So I love the fact that uh, Porcupine Girl didn't shy away from that and immediately had, you know, Ellen bring that up um, and immediately had that discussion happen in the fic. Um, that as much as Dean, you know, is is now with Cass and he doesn't want to hide that he's with Cass, he doesn't want to have that that kind of life. Um, it's going to have consequences for him, unfortunately. Yeah. And as much as that's not necessarily, you know, a exciting, wonderful topic to talk about, I really like the fact that that was actually touched upon in a fic for a change. No, it felt yeah. very true of uh, when you have an employer who you're getting along with and you're like, hey, here's something that, one, like, it'd be cool if you were supportive, but two, will be a complication that you will have to deal with. Like, it is a... I mean, multiple relationships, multiple consequences. All right. Well, let's move on to our third fic. Um, ben, would you mind reading the summary for us? Is that okay? I will go ahead and do that, though I've, I've been told repeatedly that, like, I should have written a way better summary for the story <laughs> than I did. And I'm like, yeah, I, I can get behind that, too. Uh, so this is the first entry in my talk series. Uh, I named the series Talk because I get asked a question a lot, and you might be able to guess what the question is when I tell you the title is Four-Letter Word for Intercourse. Oh. Summary is as follows. As a grease monkey turned college freshman, Dean's constantly three seconds away from being stressed out of his mind. It hardly helps that he's figuring out his sexuality in his 30s. What might help with that stress is a little phone number and a big credit card bill. If he can't figure out how to be bisexual in person, he can at least give it a go over the phone, right? It's probably a bad idea, but he really can't help himself. I think that's a great summary. <laughs> a lot of people are like, you didn't say about the mental health themes and the sheer amount of porn. The tags are right there. You don't need to have the tags are right there. No, I do think that that's actually... Because you don't want to give everything away in a summary, right? That, that's a nice way to kind of lead and people into the story, I think. And it sets up exactly what happens. And all of, all of his debating happened before the story began, so that's his decision process and everything else that follows is the fic. Yeah, like we are literally starting the fic with a phone call, so you've, you've already primed people for exactly what's happening. Um, we'll just add on that it was published um, serially in 2018, and it is 195,000 words long. That's quite a long one, um, and it's definitely explicit, if you hadn't worked that out by now. <laughs> <laughs> um, firstly, um, I wanted to, like, we've got a lot of, uh, you know, people have sent us messages to, to tell you how much they love this speak, and um, we've got to congratulate you on the success of this one. Um, it's become a fandom favorite and for very good reason. Uh, we all love to read it and reread it. So thank you. Thank you for giving us this one. I mean, thank you guys. I mean, I wrote this on the basis of I thought a lot of things would be funny. And yeah. uh, then in execution, I'm like, okay, now it's going to get serious. But just I remember running the concept by a couple of friends and going, okay, so the scenario is they're over here, they're over there, there is a sex fun hotline. And at one point, while Dean is trying to reach out through all of this, he's going to get intercepted by Crowley, and it's going to suck. And just the look on my friend's face, I just cracked up at his response. I like that was like the opening concept of this, of like, no, this will be Dean being BDSM'd into self-care. Yes. And uh, seeing how far that will go. This is the story of how many 
you know, how many vegetables can I cook into the cupcakes before anyone notices? <laughs> and the answer has been everyone noticed, but you don't care. No. <laughs> no, so they, they love it, actually. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess the premise, if, you, if, this, if by some chance you haven't actually read this story and you're interested in it, is that um, Dean is going to college and he does um, call a sex hotline um, as a, a way of exploring his newfound um, bisexuality and ends up talking to Cass um, each week throughout the first semester, I guess, is it? Yep, it's half. nearly the entire semester. Yeah, and um, there is plenty of, you know, BDSM kind of, um, you know, tropes, I guess, are like scenes in this one. Um, but a lot of it is focused on, you know, Dean's um, mental health kind of journey and his, you know, discovering his sexuality through that. So there's also a lot of uh, fluff kind of and, and hilarity, I will uh, say. It's also very funny a lot of the way through. So. Yep. so most of the chapters are split up between being the phone call followed by the uh, the in-person library. Oh, I forgot the, the I second knew... part of the triangle. Yes, also including, yes. as well as the phone <laughs> parts, they also, he goes to the library to study each week and he's, he meets Cass there, but they're not allowed to speak in the library. That's a great thing about this because the juxtaposition of, of having a phone, like a voice only, um, you know, communication method. And then the, the face-to-face method where they can't communicate by voice. I think that was really... Um, genius kind of setup <laughs> i knew i wanted to do some sort of like i've i've always wanted to do a two-person love triangle well trying to go for the the full two-person rectangle there but i also knew i wanted to do a phone line one just because like why not and then yeah. trying to figure out what would be the scenario where they can see each other without looking at each other and realizing that Cass is like that level of petty that if you put him in a silent section of a library and that was the rule and you tried to speak to him there, you would just get like just by sheer eyes and the narrowing <laughs> with the forehead. Like you can see the evisceration glare of you are not supposed to be speaking in the silent section. So yes. I actually figured out that way through there. And it is so very Cass. Like he will break cosmic rules of the universe he would 100% sit there and glare the fuck out of you if you tried to talk in a library. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. I love, like, the weird things that constitute as, like, normal just for this one character. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Um, I guess one of the, one of your end notes, or maybe, maybe it was a, um, a chapter um, description, you know, the summary. Um, You just said, Dean continues to Dean. And I think that is like the perfect description. <laughs> it's it's there very... has never been anything more accurate. Yeah. He just deans his I way mean, through. He'd, he'd been deaning the whole time. <laughs> Sorry, I've got a whole list of notes here, and I'm not really sure how to start. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, so well, much. I can I can start with my notes because when you approached me to to come on with this yes. now, my first thing was like I need to go find my notes, and oh, by that. You. I do, I do mean literally my note. I have a small little notebook that can fit into a back pocket. It is four inches by five and a half inches, and literally one side of one page is the entire summary of the fic, and I do mean chapter by chapter. Oh like, God. the entire thing is just on one page. And it started off as just two columns of column J and column C, C column Jimmy, for the phone call, and column C for Castiel. Yeah. And... 
there are some scribbles around where I had to like move bits, but one thing that was important was uh, I I figured out like the progression of the characters mostly on the cast side because uh, the Dean character growth kind of comes to the forefront when it's his life interacting with people outside. Uh, in fact, people who, uh, if you read with a, a close eye, you might notice that literally nothing happens in Dean's life in person outside of the, the cast in the library for like the first half of the fic. Like he interacts with nobody else yeah. until it gets a little while. And then you have uh, the phone calls with Jimmy saying, you should reach out to more people. And then you have Dean interacting increasingly more with the outside world that uh, it was it was narrow on purpose from the start to get to expand so all the the big growth was in the in the cast column by which i mean the words meet study buddy freshman reveal professor reveal get yeah. help outside cast midterms <laughs> lgbtq house halloween party next halloween books by phobia <laughs> Uh, a little cross epic where I'm like, this is where Cass was going to be asleep at his desk. And then I'm like, nope, that's Thanksgiving. Because uh, I realized when I was posting uh, something that people, when they were, if they were following the fic when it was coming out, I was actually able to post on the schedule of this fic so that if the, the chapters begin on a Thursday and go on to the Friday, and on that exact timeline, I would then post it on the Monday following. So that when I did the Thanksgiving chapter, the Monday afterwards, everyone got to read the Thanksgiving chapter, having just themselves had Thanksgiving. And uh, that kept through the whole thing until I finally hit a chapter where I had to split the uh, the phone call away from Dean's in-person stuff, which is uh, when Dean first actually goes to therapy. Because that was, uh, no, Dean's real life is now important enough to have a chapter by itself. Hmm. I kind of love structure for how it can show things that are important. So that was uh, the the big structural break was to show like, no, this is this is a huge step worthy of its own chapter. And that's awesome. uh, so that's that's, yeah, that's, that's the really cast awesome. column and the the Jimmy column. Uh, that is actually where I was more stressed that you asked questions like, what was the what was the easiest to write and the hardest to write? And by the end, I was like, okay, I need to write yet another scene. Of Jimmy telling some story <laughs> and Dean having a good time. I'm like, what in the world is left? <laughs> and so by then, I'm almost like, scrape the barrel, scrape the barrel. And it didn't read that way, I'm glad. Following it week to week, um, I think I came in, started reading it. Uh, it was probably around... The Thanksgiving chapter, I, I was right in the middle when I, I binged like all the way up to there and then I had to start waiting week to week. But um, the tension that you gradually build through this fic um, is, it's quite different reading it in, in a binge reread than it is when that um, when it was posted week to week because you had to wait, like the, it was just the cliffhangers were just like, oh my God, what's happening? Um, whereas <laughs> when you binge the whole thing, you can just go on to the next bit and, and sit up all night reading like... I, you know, shirk your responsibilities like I did this weekend. Um, <laughs> it was, um, yeah, the tension, like, even though you say that you were kind of like not sure what, what could come next, um, the way that you ended up doing it was just really good. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> Yay. I love that about the structure, though, because it, it is like, obviously what you're writing is, is very important, but the, the how, the how you choose to write it and present it. Um, matters as well and I think yeah. that obviously really really worked um, in this fic because 
it does come across as Dean's world being so very narrow to start with. Um, like it, it feels kind of quite choked in because you're only seeing this this very narrow part of Dean's life, which kind of is Dean's life <laughs> at that point. That's that's all he's focusing on. And whether that's true or not, or whether it's his own perception that he's only focusing on those things because he's not, I guess, in a place mentally where he's going to look beyond them. Um, but as it goes through the fic and we, and we start to see um, Bobby and we start to see him going out for drinks with, you know, other people from from work and you get the first mention of, of other people like Benny and, and so on um, and, and it does kind of like slowly expand, it's like you can track it <laughs> with with kind of Dean's mental state that it's, it's slowly expanding and it's very cool and I think it's definitely something that you probably maybe notice more on a reread, I don't know, do I notice it more on a reread? Hmm yeah, probably. I so, yeah. <laughs> like I, I cannot weigh in on whether or not you notice it more or less, but uh... <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, there were definitely things in the reread that I noticed more the second time around. Yeah, it's definitely um, a fic that I enjoyed having a really good excuse to read twice because <laughs> I, I think you know you can read any fic and there there are certain things that that stick in your mind about it, but there are always going to be little details that you know you just just miss or that fade away in your mind after a certain amount of time and then going back into a story already knowing the end like the I know the second time I read it I noticed many more little details of for example um when Dean is with Cass in the library and he'll do a little something or something will come up he'll be reading something or he'll write something down I was gonna say say something but that's not the way that works um <laughs> write something down on his notepad and um as the reader you'll go oh Jimmy does that <laughs> and and you'll and you'll be like Dean you should know that but obviously I, I, I think it's perfectly reasonable you're not going to assume that just because two people have a tiny habit in common that they're the same person um but as a reader you, you immediately like jump on it like oh they have, they have that in common. That's the same thing. Come on, Dean. <laughs> yeah, I've actually gotten comments of people going, he does the deep breathing thing too. How could you not realize they're the same person? And I'm like, well, one, that's pretty uh, tenuous, first off. But there's also a lovely element of Dean point of view where he's just like, well, I'm this uneducated idiot moron. Maybe Maybe all smart people know how to do this breathing thing where he's just sort of like completely able to write himself out of it. So like when that was brought up to me of like that that could be a comparison bit honestly the knee-jerk response is like no dean would just assume that everyone but him already knows how to do this because that's just where his mental state is at that point and it makes more sense later on then when he when the two of them kind of start merging together in dean's mind that um because they are you know there are things about them that are similar even though obviously he never picks up on that <laughs> yes because they are the same person um, but yeah, when he starts having the, the dreams that, that feature Cass, but with Jimmy's voice. Oh, those are like, so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> They're fun to read. <laughs> yeah. So um, one of our friends, um, our friend Amanda LaRose said that that your writing um, is can paint a picture in your mind while using few words, um, which is a skill she admires. So she was wondering how... Does inspiration um, come as a visual for you? Um, like, does, does scenes play out in your head before you write them down? Or, and, and does dialogue come to you, like, first? Or, or do you write the narration first and then put dialogue in? Like, how do, how do you write your scenes? So 
when I get the the basic, just it's it's always a concept where I'm like, e -e -e, this would be fun, bouncy, 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 and uh, <laughs> I need to slow the bouncy, bouncy, bouncy down until I can actually hold the bouncy ball and look at it and see like, okay, what is actually in this? Um, despite people having, I've I've often got feedback of like, oh, it's so descriptive, I can really visualize. I don't visualize that much, or I visualize more in shapes and concepts in the way that's kind of hard to describe like i've i've tried to to fit like the idea of like no i have the puzzle pieces of my brain that fit into these shapes and then the geometry of it is like so and these latch in and that's just how it works and when you write the scene you know okay i want to hit these points and you guys are going to talk about this and if i push you this way then that one is going to ping pong off of it that way so it's a lot more like planning out if i could play you know pool better than i play it uh just a really good like trick shot for for playing pool of okay i know that if i hit this character that way they will respond in this manner because that is just how they're shaped whereas i know if i if i hit you in this way of this character over here you will actually spin because you're centered like that that it is a very unusual way i've been told of sort of visualizing characterization without actually visualizing the scenes. Uh, for most of my visuals, I do a lot of writing with uh, fan vids up on the side of the screen or a picture of whatever character it is that like the viewpoint character would be looking at. Of like, okay, this is the mannerism that I want to get down. This is how you move. This is how it goes. Like, I need an actual visual aid to get that. And then as for the rest of the space, like that just kind of fills in with the ambiance of the, the incidental things also happening in that space. I don't need to describe the space if the character is interacting with it because uh, the interaction is what makes the space like yeah. black box theater. So you would, do you actually plan out the entire, like in this case, did you plan out the entire fic? Like you said, you had a list of an outline, but did you plan yes. out in individual scene before you started writing altogether? Uh, I had like the gist of what I wanted to get, but like literally like all of chapter four, the notes just say, Week six of school, Mandy, professor reveal. That is it. Those are those are the entire notes for chapter four. Right. Like that's it. Uh, so there's a lot of I try to keep for for this one like the the openness of the structure. I'm like I know the main points that I want to get to. Yeah. I know that the emotional bandwidth is going to expand. I know that early on, uh, Dean is very much edging in towards like. How do I even circuitously ask for what I want? To the point where, like, the second chapter, he literally calls, you know, this hotline and asks to be walked through what it's like to get a massage. Like, he's that much unable to ask for what he really wants. That he's like, I will go with something of plausible deniability that is not what I want. Yeah. And then slowly building up to him being like, no, we have an actual bit where we're going to decide on something together that we know that I want. So there was uh, a lot of planning out the uh, the Jimmy scenes, as I'm going to be referring to them for between the two personas of the the cast in person and the Jimmy persona on the phone line. In that, like those required the most amount of thought because I have to be able to figure out, like, okay, what are the weird games that he's contrived to like pull up here? How am I going to? figure out how to build in this whole like no tell me what you have done that makes you good <laughs> we will yeah. find a way we'll break it down until we find something that is you know what makes you worthwhile 
and then having to spin that back up into the context of you know this is a this isn't a, a therapy session this is bdsm here we go yes there's so many moving but yet parts. they can be so close to the same thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah honestly yeah there's a in the vulnerability and you are you're trusting your inner self with another person and you know i can i can see where the overlap comes in mm -hmm. now, one thing i will quickly mention first because it's come up multiple times in questions on multiple places really it's came up on discord and on twitter again here um mm -hmm. i find it quite amusing but also really awesome that people keep repeatedly saying that the thing that this uh fic helped them learn um because you know it's always nice when i feel like fic has an impact beyond just what people have read on the page and, and is it have... 30 minute studying technique yeah everybody just everybody <laughs> goes on and on about the studying techniques <laughs> it's great <laughs> it's is that in the essay writing people are like i didn't know this i didn't like yeah i just whenever people are like here's your essay do it on these books. I'm like, cool. I got all my post-its and I just post it all the way through the book. And by the time I'm done, I'm like, all right, all these post-its are about this. All these post-its are about that. So the essay they wanted me to write, well, this one has the most post-its. I'll write that one. And so mm. we just gather the ammunition first. Here we go. I'm glad that the fic has helped people hopefully uh, make up for all the sleep they lost before, you know, their tests that uh, people often say, I should be studying, I'm reading this instead. I'm like, I hope you learn enough to compensate. <laughs> it was a true, true gift that you gave those people. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think a lot of, like, before you go on, Mal, I just want to add um, that a, a lot of people have said how much this fic has helped them in different ways and that, um, that a lot of readers in general in, in, fan, in like, our fandom tend to identify with Dean in, in ways that... Um, like in, in with the anxiety or with the self doubt, um, bordering on on hatred and you know rejection of everything that he wants, um, and the negative self talk kind of thing. And this ha this speak actually really helps people work. Like it seems to help people work through that. And um, it, for me anyway, <laughs> it helped me with trying to realize that you know I'm allowed to ask for things that I want and that I need. And um, so thank you. Thank you. You helped a lot of people with this one. I'm yes, glad. We, we have a was, lot uh... of uh, comments to that effect, um, basically saying, yeah. In a, in a very strange way, this felt like, like no one ever graduates from therapy, but I've hit a point where I'm just like, I want to put together all of the things that I've learned that are actually effective and put them in one place. And for yeah. some reason, that one place ended up just being covered in porn. But, uh, there you go. <laughs> hey, it works. Look, you, you draw people in with the porn, that's... and then you make them leave with better coping mechanisms for life. I think that's pretty yeah. progressive. Like, I, I show you the porn. I show you the porn. Okay, here, here's the actual support mechanisms. Here you go. <laughs> Take it around with it. It's amazing. I mean, we could probably all use a gentle dom to force us to give priority to our own mental health, but oh god, yes. Um, and sadly, they're not always available. <laughs> And I've had a number of people who have commented on with uh, to, the, to the extent of like, how are you seeing into my brain? And it's just really underscored how much of the anxiety and the self-doubt and many of the issues in the figure is like, no, this is weirdly universal. That yeah. A lot of people are like, this is, no, this is my specific issue. This is the thing that I specifically do. And it's like, actually, as it turns out, us as a giant group, we're all messed up in very similar ways. So hopefully that will <laughs> just... You know lower the bar in terms of well i if i tell them they'll freak them out you know if you tell them they probably already know and will go no but that's what i do 
Yeah. Well, as Cass says in your fic, we're all just trying to unfuck each other, right? <laughs> ourselves. <Because> yep. <laughs> everyone's a mess. It's something you don't. Yeah. You don't learn for a long time, and you don't don't believe if someone would just just instantly tell you, oh, you know, everyone feels like you do. Everyone has very similar thoughts. You won't believe it no. because humans are inherently self-centered. I mean, often we're also told, no, everyone feels like that. Everyone, no, you're just making a big fuss. Of course everyone feels like that. And you're like, actually, no, this is a, like, I need a medical diagnosis, please, and some pills. And Because uh, <laughs> so, depending on the first person to be like, no, everyone feels that way, sweetie. And you're like, but I want to die? Is that normal? And they're like, that no, everyone right. feels like that. And then, like, you get hospitalized and go, oh, maybe oh. not. It's more like, like the number of people... Oh. People feel that way, and then they do this and go and get some help for it. <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was very important for me to include like broken cast reference because I definitely wanted to have a character who had gone through like a big hospitalization. It's mm -hmm. like, yeah, you are gonna have some people who hit those depths, and you get people that come back from that and do better and keep going up better and. I know I actually had a couple readers freak out at one of the follow-up fix where Cass gets worse because, you know, it's not a linear, linear recovery at any point. And yeah. I think having people read a story where, like, oh, it was weird when they switched roles between Dom and Sub, but what freaked people out was having Cass in breakdown mode where, like, no, you're supposed to be the good supportive person who never breaks, but no, he's he's allowed to break. Everyone's allowed to break. Yeah, yes. everybody's human, even Cass. <laughs> so, at least in this story. In this, <laughs> yeah. In this, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everyone but Mandy is human. <laughs> and uh, ended up having a, a bit of an inside joke with a friend, uh, like, "What is a you know the whole what is a man but a, a pile of a miserable pile of uh, miserable pile of secrets?" Um, <laughs> and it was, uh, "What is a woman but a miserable dog clicker in a jar of Vaseline?" <laughs> <laughs> I will never forget that that Vaseline scene. <laughs> I just the sound design. Like I don't know if you were gonna ask about like the researching for like sound design things. Yes, that oh, was a hundred percent the next thing that was gonna come out of my mouth. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad because that was oh that like it was just fun researching. I wish I'd kept like half of the articles I read that I did a bunch of looking around of um, viewpoints of people who worked at call centers, people who worked at home. People who uh, had, uh, there was a, a non-binary uh, disabled article writer talking about how, like, they have to do this from home because they can't get out of the house. There was a woman who worked from home and didn't have someone intercepting the calls and just got the calls fresh. And uh, that was actually how I realized that the story would, for like, their, their, their call center bit would, if they would receive calls and it would be sent out to people in their homes. So, like, even just logistics of, like, where Cass would be doing this was a thing of, like, okay, where are you doing this? Can yeah. you do it from home? Okay, cool. Um, the the article I read with the woman who received the calls herself, uh, she had this, this whole thing where she would put on, like, one of those, like, heavy New Jersey, what do you want accents when people, like, picked up the phone because otherwise people would call and then just, like, do their business and hang up within five seconds. Yeah. But if she intercepted and was like, what do you want? What kind of girl you're interested in? Clearly you're not interested in Marge here. And like, it would like cut people's momentum and they have to slow down. I'm like, wow. what weird tactics people have developed. And so this is someone who said like, okay, she would do like her Marge reception voice 
and then like get into character and so many different articles were like you will either be provided with a script by your call center or it's time for you to just come up with about like five to eight different personalities that you can do because the more personalities you can do the more work you do and that's where uh the whole jimmy just being one of the many personalities became a thing which works so well for cast because we have so many different cast versions out there in canon and we have the the kind of main cast that we recognize as being cast but then you got to tap into other other little bits which even though we don't necessarily see many of those characters we do see kind of a a couple of them later on i would say that's probably not too much of a spoiler (laughs) you see steve for for customer service steve who wants to talk to uh just this this old man who's calling in to tell his own stories of his own life and you have uh, Lucian, because I definitely wanted to do something with Lucifer Cast voice. And just, I'm like, who would he hate being the most? And he hates being Lucian. He hates being this person who is uh, one derogatory and just not at all supportive or building up, but also someone who is engaging in the, like, the one hang-up he has about the sex work is the fact that his clients, in some cases, are committing adultery. Yeah. And it's very interesting to see, like, where the morality of the character is, because he's just like, yep, I am a very Christian character in this, but I'm also engaged in sex work, and the one thing I have a problem with is the adultery and everything else just is fine. Yeah. So Lucian becomes kind of the antithesis of everything that Cass normally stands for. So, yeah. yeah. So I really liked having that dichotomy, because there's, the there's a bit at the end where Dean gets to sit on some conversations. But, uh... <laughs> just to show of like this is what Cass hates doing versus this is who Cass wants to be and so you have the weirdness where it's like we fully crossed into the phone line being something that Dean gets to be a part of while still physical. I loved that um all the way through Dean's always thinking this isn't real like I'm paying for this he doesn't really mean it when he says things and um you know he's not really jerking off or whatever and in that moment sort of later in the fic where he realizes that a lot of it like it was all real and he really does care was just so good like it was just you know finding out that that's that's the my favorite part of a lot of fics is when they when he he realizes that the other person really does care it was um especially in this case when dean feels like he just no one wants him and he doesn't no one needs him anymore you know that was great yeah you often hear about the whole like where's the italicized oh the oh i'm in yeah, love but for yeah. this this was dean going oh i am loved was yeah, the the yeah. biggie for him yes yeah i think this is something i said to you um in a message earlier or yesterday or some point whatever it was what is time um <laughs> that um it, it at various points it feels very much um like it's a story about dean learning to love himself as much as Cass really um yeah. That yes, obviously his relationship with Cass is important, but it wouldn't exist if he hadn't learned to love parts of himself at least a little bit as well. Um, because I don't think Cass would have allowed it. It wouldn't have been a, a, something that Cass would have been able to engage in if Dean hadn't been in that place. Um, and I really like that. I like fix where we can... I hate the word fix because that sounds like there's like an end destination and that's generally not the way that mental health or life works <laughs> um, but th- th- that we've at least helped 
Dean on his journey at least a little bit during the the period of the fic. So do yeah, you have a the... do you have a point where you sit down and think, okay, like where do I want him to be at the beginning and where do I want him to be at the end, or is it well, kind of more of a natural evolution as you write it? A little bit natural evolution, but I also like I knew that I needed him to come out to people in his life because I wanted to have the uh, the mutual revelation scene like be as a consequence of Dean's own actions that like. I didn't want them finding out by accident. I don't want this to be find out by contrivance. I wanted him to, like, be the one to escort Cass out of the silent section and then speak. And I wanted that to be like this this major moment where like he needs he needed to like achieve that goal before the next part began, because the reveal really is like the beginning of the next act. So he needed to fulfill that big development for character development before the reveal and the fact that like he does as the reveal was just very neatly done where i was like okay okay can it can it work can it work and it slots together just so hooray <laughs> Good job. And it's like okay so in order to finish your character development we're going to build the ramp that you will actually uh, shoot yourself off of in this little car go 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 go, go. <laughs> i love the way that you did that scene because it felt really important to me when I was reading it that, that at that point in the fic it is a turning point where Dean is leading Cass rather than the other way around um, and like very very literally like by the hand <laughs> just yeah. that, that he is doing it and that it, it's definitely a turning point that you can feel and feels important that Dean is standing up and do that doing that by himself and it's not even something that he's doing because he promised Jimmy that he would or anything like that something that he comes up with on his own in addition to what he'd spoken to Jimmy about and that he is the person leading Cass not that maybe Cass wouldn't have got there in the in the end because obviously he didn't know didn't know any of that other stuff about Dean at that point um but the fact that Dean was the one who initiated that perfect could not have been done better I don't think it's also kind of funny because uh, early on there's a bit where, where Jimmy describes, you know, this very flirtatious bisexual man he knows in real life. And Dean immediately goes, I hate this guy. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, Dean, you hate yourself. Because just Cass's image of, of Dean in person is so dramatically different from who Dean is on the inside, the way that Dean's like, no, I am Michael on the inside, and whatever Cass is seeing as the outside is, like, clearly false. But, uh, in that moment right before the reveal like dean has fully manifested as the extremely flirtatious openly bisexual man that Cass described earlier in the story that yeah. dean said he'd hate it like he has actually become that guy not just who Cass thinks he is like but that is who he really has become yeah yeah because there's a point earlier where um i think they hug for the first time and somebody sees him hugging Cass in the library briefly Mm -hmm. And Dean kind of has a, a thought like, oh god, somebody actually saw me, like, that that was, that that didn't look platonic, somebody saw me hugging another man, like, he has he has a little bit of a, a moment, um, and it kind of occurs to him that, like, Cass doesn't see him that way. <laughs> and and yeah. the great thing as a reader is that we kind of, we, we get to see him both ways, and we're just kind of waiting for Dean to catch up, like, you can be both of those people. <laughs> like, you don't have to... You know, it's not one or the other. Like nobody is a hundred percent confident and perfect all the time, and nobody, or at least hopefully, nobody is a hundred percent of the time like completely anxious. You can have both. It's a scale. 
So. Very much. Right, uh, playing the back and forth between the two was uh, was very interesting for just like the personas of trying to keep all of this stuff separate. Like I'm honestly surprised I didn't like ever write down the list of specific details that Dean fed to uh, to Jimmy versus to Cass, but uh, there there was a very distinct dividing line of like if something came up naturally in the story, I immediately had to go like okay so. Dean told Jimmy that Sam's name is Sam, that he referred to his younger brother as Sammy, and therefore at no point can Dean ever tell Cass about having a brother named yeah. Sam. Yeah, the details and, are uh, difficult to keep separate. That for, for Michael on the phone, he's always talking about he's in job training. Dean's at college, like these are different things, but it's the same thing. So on one side you've got, oh my, my uncle. Whereas for Dean talking to Cass in the library, well, writing to Cass as uh, my boss. And so on one side, like, you have the same exact scenario being described in different terms. And that's what, what shovels it apart. But just making sure I kept track of, like, okay, so on the phone, Bobby is the uncle. In the library, Bobby is the boss. On the phone, younger brother's name Sammy. In the library, who knows what about the sibling situation. Uh, on the phone, D uh, Michael is a businessman in the library. Dean is a mechanic. And so those were the lines very much laid down to just keep those as far apart as possible. And Cass has his own lines, I'm sure, because uh, I love the points where things kind of almost intersect. Like I know there's a certain point where Dean, um, as Michael, makes a comment to Jimmy about a professor. Cast yep. just like literally like starts coughing, <laughs> like, and I love that. Like those little moments where it's almost there, but not quite. Yeah, even when they're doing their library um scene, like towards the end, that uh you know alarm bells start ringing when they start <laughs> talking about the desk that they both sit at and that kind of thing. But neither of them kind of makes that extra leap to realizing that you know they both are familiar with this situation. Yep, just uh, the idea of, like, they've, they've clearly both had ideas about that table and that scenario. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, just be like, oh, yes, this is suitably generic. Yes, of course. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I would just fuck you up against the stacks and, oh, no, I've never had that thought before. <laughs> <laughs> mm, I'm too innocent for such thoughts. <laughs> of course mm, Never crossed my mind, no. <laughs> And just just fun little bits of like you know, Cass might be that's just might be how he dresses. Who knows? Or he might literally be listening to what another person finds sexy and dressing to impress Dean. Who knows? Yeah, I really like the fact that even though we are in Dean's point of view for this entire story, um, something that was said on a few of our comments um, from Profound Bomb Server, I believe, and on Twitter as well, was that somehow um, you did a brilliant job of making sure that even though we're in Dean's point of view, you have a pretty good idea what Cass is thinking a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, just just through those little like changes in intonation, tiny movements, like e even when he can't speak in the library, just like his facial expressions, the way he moves, um, you can still get a really good idea of what Cass has been thinking this entire time, even though we never see anything from his point of view. 
and I think that well, that you. was exceptionally well done. Um, I did notice that um, it was a question that, that came up um, and I kind of answered it for you only because you had um, answered it on your Tumblr, so <laughs> so I just passed that answer across, um, where a lot of people were really keen to see more of the story from Cass's point of view. Um, and you kind of said, well, not to say it would be irrelevant, because that's that's not quite the word, but it's, it's not really what the point of this was. And uh, I gotta admit that I really, really agree with that. I feel like it would I have them. people are going to hate me for this. I feel like it would almost spoil it for me if I saw it from Cass's point of view. <laughs> it would undermine things that the whole point is that we we're watching Dean struggle to communicate and the only things that he's able to get is what he's able to get through that communication. So throwing in some some direct Cass POV more than just the whole like here are my research notes that just yeah. feels like a weird cheat i feel like once i reveal cast brain the audience can never fully go back to just only having dean brain that only having dean brain is so much of the story because it is about the dean brain <laughs> it would be a I, I don't story, you, I, I can't uncrack that egg yeah yeah so as much as initially i was like oh yeah i'd love to see you know, to actually see it from Cass's point of view, but like the more I think on it, I'm like, no, actually, I really like it the way it is, and I do think it would take something away from it if you got that additional POV as well. Yeah. So, I guess I like being trapped in Dean's messy brain. <laughs> there is there is still fun to be had despite the mess, or maybe because of it. <laughs> messy is good, good for fi good for mm -hmm. writers. <laughs> yes. Not so good in real life, but what is fic if not a reflection of real life sometimes? <laughs> or the bonkers things we wish could happen. <laughs> I think I love it best when it's a mixture of both. Like, take a really mm, yes. crazy concept and then, like, ground me with something like this mental health issue that can be really related to. I love it. I mean, that's my favorite thing. It's like, please, let me start somewhere completely absurd. And then it's like, no, I'm going to take this completely seriously and we're all going to get invested in something absurd right now. <laughs> oh, I'm looking through the ones on um, Twitter. A lot of them are kind of, of, of comments necessarily more than questions. Uh, someone's actually saying that uh, the scene just before Dean and Cass uh, find out the truth, where Dean finally um, like he, he gives a note to Cass, shall we say, to be not too spoilery. <laughs> um, yeah. um, apparently that is their ultimate comfort fanfic scene. So oh. like, I've read that multiple times, which I kind of relate to, and I've a lot of people, I know that like they have this concept that fanfic is either just poorly written drivel or porn and nothing in between, um, which there is absolutely nothing wrong with fanfic that is just porn, if that's what you're looking for. That's, that is absolutely fine. Not my business. But I find that the scenes I go back to in fix and reread do tend to be those kind of little pivotal scenes like that. I know I have read that particular scene uh, with the note more than once. And I know that um, in the other fic we read earlier, Go Down With The Ship, I have read the scene immediately after Cass finds out about Dean, um, where he's kind of like making the decision about how he's going to let Dean know in a way that won't frighten him off. <laughs> You're talking about the, the note exchange that like there's there's a bunch of different notes in the fic. Like there's the there's the, the asking out note, there's Cass's... Uh, 
happy finals card combined with his uh, his report card for Dane. But the the one that gets the most attention, like there's someone drew a whole comic of it, of the uh, the circling the letters in the the LGBT. He circled the B. <laughs> like that, people have really responded to that. I was like, is this gonna be too cutesy? And the answer has been like, no. This is this is just cutesy enough. I I go through that all the time because as an Australian, we don't generally respond to like really over the top cutesy stuff very well. And I feel like writing for a mostly American audience, um, I found that when I think, oh, this is way too schmoopy, like no one is going to want this. And then I put it in and everyone's like, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> I, don't I don't know if it's just American audience is just really into that or if it's just me who's not into that. Or, I don't know. Maybe it's just fic audiences love, like, fluff. Like, they love really, you know, heartfelt, fluffy stuff. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like you're, well, I was going to say you're either a fluff person or an angst person, but I'm definitely one foot in each camp, really. Yeah. <laughs> I love the pain, but then make it better after. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the contrast is where it's at, because uh, the mountain is only that tall if you throw in a valley. Exactly. Yeah, right, yeah. See, that's why that's why her comfort is so perfect. Neither of them work as well without each other. So this particular fig, um, I'll just say again, uh, congratulations on the on how much everyone loves it. It's had a bit of a resurgence actually lately. I think a few um people sort of reviewed it on, on TikTok or one of the you know, Instagram, one of the newer kind of <laughs> socials. Oh, and a bunch of new people. Oh god. <laughs> A lot of new people jumped on it, I think. So there's been a lot of discourse on um, Twitter, especially about it. So yeah. got a lot of a lot of very uh, vocal fans right now. It's it's honestly rather intimidating. Like I'm thrilled, but I'm also like, oh my god, there's so many of you. Where did you come from? <laughs> so no. quickly. Oh, it's amazing. We got a question from Catherine, which I'm hesitant to include just because it's. It's such a whole subject. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, I understand why they're asking the question, but at the same time, there's both a short, extremely obvious answer and then something that deserves an entire episode to itself, really. <laughs> so um, it's about um, being uh, a voice in the fanfic community, which is often dominated by women. <laughs> Let's see what it is. As asexual gay man writing queer fiction, can you talk about the importance of uh, queer male asexual voices in fanfic community, which is often dominated by women? Um, sometimes it is weirdly lonely in that, like, I mean, like I work. Is anybody who works with kids is going to work with mostly women? Anyone who's in fan fiction, it's going to be mostly women and non-binary people. And I'm like, I'm gay. I would like another gay boy, please. And it's like, oh, oh no, okay, fine, bye. It's, I mean, like I've I've spent the majority of my life surrounded by competent women, and I don't intend to stop anytime soon because you know quality of life goes up that way. But uh, sometimes also like relatable, relatable. Anybody know? Okay, okay, goodbye. I mean, there's part of me now that wants to do like one of those absurd meta things where it's like the Chuck Tingle like version of meta where it becomes its own character and it literally is the fandom being dominated by just a concept that is women <laughs> and it's just the BDSM <laughs> thing. yeah exactly 
Uh, no. And he's like, now tell me the rules for commas. What? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I like it. No. Write it. Yeah. yeah definitely. Uh, for the uh, the asexual bit, a lot of people have a, a an askance when they're like, wait, you're you're asexual? Uh, I am demisexual, so I I don't experience sexual attraction until I'm like, dear God, gone on the romantic attraction. It's basically like, my favorite example is watching the live action. Uh, Full Metal Alchemist movie in which there's a, a scene where you see a man and my impression is that's a guy and then oh he makes fire appear <gasps> that was Roy Mustang <gasps> he's the hottest man I've ever seen <laughs> and it was like the weirdest switch in my brain of like nothing to everything because the attachment was there and so when people are like but you write all of this porn and I'm like the only thing that can ever make it hot is the emotional attachment and if that's not there it's just bodies doing things that are making weird noises and it's boring <laughs> that um, I've gotten through like so many stories where it's like, oh, this is the tension is wonderful. And I mean this for both like like published books for fan fiction, for even TV shows where the relationship of the characters, will they get together? Won't they? Oh, they finally get together and the emotions just die and there's nothing left. And there's nothing to care about. And I know this is where I'm supposed to be happy about it, but the there's no emotional through line, even when they're a couple. And if that's not there, if they're not progressing towards something, what's the point? Yeah. And I guess that's like, that is the importance of the asexual voice for, for writing, because what's the point is a question that remains pertinent, especially during sex scenes, because seriously, why am I reading this if not for the point of these characters going on some sort of emotional journey? That's the best kind of um, of smut scenes when they're, you know, there's feelings involved. Like, they don't even need to be feelings towards the other person. Like, as, like you could both be in crisis, and I'm like, wow, I'm going to just, just popcorn this, the drama of these two people being awkward, fantastic, as opposed to, Oh, this scene, they're having the best of their life and it, nothing matters. Okay, back button. See, I think that's a lot of my, I won't say issue, uh, writing smut, because it's something that at least on a, t like a technical level I find like really interesting and fun to do. It's kind of almost like a fight scene to me, just like moving people around and getting them yeah. potted out in the yeah. right places. <laughs> like there's no, there's no connection in my brain to anything remotely sexy when I'm plotting out a smut scene. I will just point that out right now. <laughs> It's like a fight scene. The bodies, they move, they do things. Hands go here, feet. But I struggle and generally don't ever include any kind of sex scene in a fic if the characters are going to be the same at the end of the scene as they were at the beginning. Like if there is no purpose for that scene, um, generally I just don't want to include it. Like I have done like fade to black scenes simply because, okay, like that they went away and did this but there is no point in me showing it to you because we are not learning anything about the characters during that scene mm -hmm. so i i generally like i just i don't know i guess i prefer to write the characters and the sex is almost a byproduct of what they're experiencing at that time if that makes any sense to anyone no, out that there makes perfect <laughs> sense i mean yeah. it's like is their character progression happening no okay then i don't need to hear you write about them doing the dishes i it's it's weird to, to combine that as part of the metaphor of that's as interesting as the other thing but I'm like I would rather have emotionally fraught 
but but the dishes, I must dry them. No, but over this, but I'm trying to talk about this. No, I, I care too much about this plate you put in the microwave. Like, if that can be more compelling than just, like, body, other body, smack, smack, smoosh. Yeah, I mean, I would rather, I would rather have the fraught dish scene if yeah. something comes of it. And I know everyone can be very different in that in that way because you know we're all different all different people we're all made differently but yeah. like I've, I've written I've, I've written fics that have a lot of sex in them <laughs> I've written like you know BDSM related stories that have a lot of sex scenes in them but even so like when I'm looking at my outline or when I'm writing I'm thinking okay well what am I actually achieving with it and I still end up cutting out a lot of things <laughs> so Sorry, people who read just for those scenes. I'm cheating you out of some, but it's also like a um something that you've got to come to terms with. Well, I did anyway as a newish uh, fic publisher. Um, in that if you start publishing explicit stories and people kind of expect that from you, and the ones that are explicit tend to do better in terms of readership and whatever. But then. I get to like a story like the one I'm writing at the moment where I feel like pe more people would read it if it had smut in it, but I don't really want to put the smut in it because I don't think it's, it doesn't fit in the story very well and there would be no point in having it, even like, it, it, there would just be no point. So it, it's hard to sort of separate that expectation of what the audience, you think the audience wants to read rather than how the story that you want to tell, if that makes sense. No, it yeah, does. It feels like sense. when movies are like, we're going to hire this well-known actor and throw them in for like three scenes and kill them off, but put it in all of our previews. And it's like, so if you only came here for that one thing, you're going to be disappointed. And yeah, the, everything yeah. else got overshadowed by all the hype for like, no, this one thing you like that we included because we knew you'd come to see that one thing. It uh, just undermines the people who are looking for the one thing and the everything else, really. I mean, this considering uh, four-letter word for intercourse is primarily phone sex, like, trying to write that amount of dialogue for a sex scene without coming off as just token cliche, terrible, like, just porn dialogue. Yeah. Like, trying to have Cass stay as Cass with all of that dialogue was ridiculous and, like, his was the characterization I was feeling more shaky on because it's like, okay, you're the non-point of view character, but you are also doing a lot of work there. And so some of it was lifted up by just the personas he was in. Yeah. But it it is a lot to have characters talk, not just do this, but just talk about it that much without <laughs> sounding completely ridiculous. Yeah. Unless, you know, they're intending to sound completely ridiculous. Yeah, because and sometimes you can once I, the ridiculousness. <laughs> I mean, once I found out about the FCC stuff, I was like, that's going in there. That's the comic relief chapter. <laughs> it really is. So I love how that's just become a, a, a thing in our fandom now. Like, I've seen references to filled rosebuds in places where I'm not even sure that they know what they're referencing. <laughs> <laughs> it's made up into the lexicon. <laughs> I, just, I want to see more tongue bath oh i mean i don't but i do i want to tongue see more reactions actually my favorite to... one <laughs> it just it makes such a good punchline the, the worst part is that tongue bath makes me think of cats and i'm like i don't yes. want <laughs> i don't want that connection <laughs> 
No. I mean, it would be very effective for, like, getting around censorship if you're, you know, doing the furry thing, but, huh. <laughs> yep. No, I love that you included that, though. I love uh, fics that have some kind of aspect of comic relief in them. I love reading and funny things. I love writing funny things. Like, because a lot of the time, so much I mean, ridiculous going on. It's some of it's got to be funny. <laughs> and I mean, when it comes down to it, like I always say, this like sex is hilarious. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, but it is. It is. <laughs> if you think like too it's... hard about it, you'd never get it done. <laughs> you just laugh I, too much. Like it's obviously, you know, when people read sex scenes, they they want like the the sexy stuff and the the tension and all the rest of it but like when you break it down to its composite parts sex is ridiculous and (laughs) it's very strange to watch and often a little gross and we just kind of gloss over those parts (laughs) and but every now and again i just like to kind of like face that head on and be like nope this is funny and this is how i'm gonna write it (laughs) so i like it um look we've got a bunch of fix that we can recommend in this trope right uh shall we go on to those yes let's do a quick rundown of a couple of them for further reading recommendations so firstly i guess we need to say there are a few that um we've actually spoken about some of these before in other episodes so we've got um cupcakes and kittens um, by mandela rose which we spoke about in our episode on baking bakery au and funnily enough, um, The Way to a Man's Heart by um, Lisi OIC um, is, was also in that bakery episode. That's also a two-person love triangle as well. We like cake in this fandom. Do indeed. Um, I am going to recommend um, a fic called Astrolabe by Reluctant Abandon and um, Winter of Our Discontent. Um, this is one of the few out there that is... Um, it's older than the Porcupine Girl fic that we talked about today. This is actually from 2015. Um, so it's actually not tagged as a two-person love triangle. Um, which is, I think, a reason why a lot of people haven't read it, because it's not tagged in that way. Like, that fic didn't really, um, sorry, that tag didn't really catch on in the fandom until a bit later. Mm -hmm. Um, but this is a story where... Dean and Cass are both in the same college, if I remember correctly. Um, they're, they're both graduate students, but in, in entirely different fields. Um, and they share adjoining library corrals and uh, end up leaving each other notes. It's 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 very cute, but also very interesting. <laughs> um, there's a very memorable scene. Yeah, there's a very memorable scene where uh, Cass builds a cathedral out of Dean's <laughs> out of Dean's books that he left behind. <laughs> And uh, it's 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 really entertaining. It's it's quite indescribable without spoiling everything. Um, is this the one with the the art of the post-it notes? Um, yes, I think it is actually. Yes, yes I read it this. Is, it like, is. I it was, yeah, it has art of like the individual post-its all the way yes. through. Yes. So mm. it's 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 a really good read. It's very unique in my opinion. Like it's even though it's now what six years old or so. Um, I've never found a two-person love triangle done quite like this one. It's one of my early favourites and definitely one that I would recommend anybody reads. It's about 35,000 words, so it's not a huge commitment compared to some of them. Um, And it is mature, but it's one of those uh, stories that we've mentioned a few times on this podcast. I just think that the scale of what's mature and explicit has kind of evolved over time in the past few years. Um, and I think a lot of people now would probably rate this fic as explicit, so do go into it with that in mind. 
There's, the next pick I wanted to mention is called Hot Water, and it's by, now I don't know how to pronounce this um, author's name, I think it's Chiyumi, um, and it's quite a long one, it's over 150,000 words, but it's basically that um, Cass uh, has, at, at work they have a, like a bathroom where you can have a shower, and he goes in, he has a shower in the evening and there's someone else in there and they, they end up jerking off and he hears it and, um, you know, he kind of gets turned on by it too, but they, at, at first the other person doesn't know. Um, and then over time he sort of goes back into the bathroom at the same time as this other person. They never meet each other, but they're kind of getting off together in the shower. And, but, and then in, in his other, in his, job I think there's a maintenance guy who comes to the office and does stuff and that's Dean so they I think I'm pretty sure it's all from Cass's point of view I don't know if you if you guys have read this you can correct me if that's wrong I but, have um, read it but I'm not recalling yeah it's been a while that since I've read Dean it as POV well but later, um, maybe yeah I think there might be some Dean point of view in there maybe okay <laughs> well anyway all I remember else about it is that it was super hot and it was um you know worth a read for the gradual kind of development of of Cass going is this okay like what am I doing here I don't this is crazy and inappropriate but I kind of love it <laughs> so yeah worth a read the other one I wanted to mention before we go on is um we haven't talked about our own like our own fix which I don't really want to but mm, I, I was have say, to mention I'll, I'll pass I hate talking about no, my, like, well, I am gonna mention that if you um if you love gish and if you are a gisher <laughs> Um, go and read Mousefic called The Greatest International Love Story the World Has Ever Seen, which is one of the longest titles I think you've ever come up with. Um, <laughs> I'm a short is... title person, so yeah, that is actually, I think, yeah. the longest one. <laughs> um, Dean and Cass end up on the same um, gish team. They get paired up um, and they they know each other in real life as well. It's been a while since I read this one too, but I'm just saying it's really good. Go and read it if you are into that, um, into gish stuff. And yeah, if you haven't already, <laughs> everyone probably has. <laughs> Speaking of stories with art in them, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. There's, I will speak up on that. There is some really fantastic um, art by Sunny in that fic. Um, was that a DCBB fic? Um, it was It was something. I don't know. Bangs kind of blur into one once to post them. Um, let me see. It was Pinefest 2019. There oh. you go. So, but yes, there is some great um, art of our characters in interesting costumes in that fic so. yep that's my brain was like wait a second that's the one with that costume thing i'm not going to spoil which costume <laughs> since you were so careful to speak around it like, oh yeah that one <laughs> i'm gonna have to read it again now. Yep. and the the fantastic ongoing misunderstanding yes ah the so, misunderstandings so never stop I, yep i applaud you for your contrivance <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it, was a lot, it was actually a lot of fun coming there. <laughs> Contrive harder. The greatest compliment anyone could ever bestow. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't mean contrived in a bad way. I mean that, oh God, contriving Absolutely. is so difficult. Plotting. <laughs> <laughs> you're getting into cahoots with a fictional world. It's when you sit there and you get this idea and you're like, okay, this could work. But then you have to sit there and think, okay, but... But how? How is this going to work? Okay, I need to carry a couch up a spiral staircase. I'm sure it could fit somehow. All right. And then you do. 
<laughs> and it does hurt, yes. <laughs> well, if Ellen very meanly mentioned one of my fix, then I'm going to mention one of hers. Ha! <laughs> meanly. Um, the one that I'm going to mention, I think she knows, is one of my favourites of hers. I think this was also Pinefest 2019, apparently. Um, it's called Dark Blue, Dark Blue. Um, and it is the story of Castiel and Dean, who are in the same guild and raid team in their online um, game, and they also um, get to meet each other in real life when their friendship groups, I guess, uh, collide. So mm-hmm. I would recommend that to anybody. That's that's not a super long one either. That's about thirty-six thousand words, I think. Yeah, thirty-six thousand words. There we go. Um, yeah, but I love that story. That also has really beautiful art in it. Yes, um, and I've read yes. that one many times. So I will get you back by mentioning that one. <laughs> we have to mention 300cc, um, which is by Lana Sarah and Spanwidges. Um, and it is it actually, um, this one was uh, inspired by um, And This Your Living Kiss, which is not a two-person love triangle now i've said that i'm not sure if that's correct i guess it kind of is um, in the I same way so in, i'm not sure <laughs> in, in 300 cc the um this is like one of those ones where dean knows dean dean is the one who who knows the whole time so basically he's he's he knows kaz in real life and he writes him a message on a messenger service um, he writes in poetry, beautiful poetry. This this one has some really gorgeous um, poems in it. And um, so Cass is the one who's trying to work out the whole time whether he has feelings for this guy in real life or this mysterious person who's messaging him on this um, on their campus website. So I love that one. It's really good. <laughs> I'm also going to really briefly mention, just because we did go into depth about... Um, go down with the ship and we mentioned that not only is it a great two-person love triangle but it also has this really fun trope of the guys writing fanfic within it um there is another fic although it is very different to that one um it does have those tropes in common with it um and that is write first then read by Mittenwraith. um it's about sixty thousand words um and it's a story where Castiel is a librarian um, and Dean is, if I remember correctly, he's a school counsellor, I think, Uh, but they work in the same um, elementary school Um, and they both write fanfic (laughs) and they start, um, you know, they get in touch and they end up kind of uh, helping review each other's work and, and, and it all gets tangled from there. I've been meaning to read that one for a long time. Yes. I haven't got around to it. It's great. So it's a very different um, story to the uh, go down with its uh, with this ship story, but it does have those two tropes in common, which <laughs> I really love. So I want to try and nudge some people towards reading that one if I can. And yes, we will have an entire list of stories on our blog at mixtapebookclub.com, including yep. all the ones that we've mentioned and plenty more besides. We have to say uh thank you very much ben for coming to talk to us today it's been a pleasure this was fun uh what's um happening with you at the next are you working on something that you'd like to talk about at all or uh i am trying to drag a thick kicking and screaming 
uh, further on. I've been having some difficulty there, but I've got a bunch of uh, uh, shorter fic that I wrote on Tumblr that I'll be putting up on AO3 soon. So, just awesome. little bits and bobs to uh, to go up there until I put up the yeah. second part of a uh, Omegaverse series that is uh, sort of more medieval fantasy. Oh, wow, yes. And I'm going to get that going. Nice. We definitely need to do a fantasy episode yeah. at some point. We haven't done that yet, and I know both me and Ellen both have like big favorites that we like in that, that kind of genre. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, It's a good genre. Yeah, it is. Like, it really yes. is. Cool. All right. Uh, well, you can get in touch with us to scream about four-letter word for intercourse or any of the other things we've talked about um, by through our social platforms um, where we're Mixtape Club on all of those or you can email us at contact at mixtapebookclub.com or you can chat with us on the Profound Bond Discord server um, in our own channel there. So thank you for listening and we will talk to you all again soon. And as always, remember that the story isn't over until we say it is. Ship's unstuck. Sorry. <laughs> Real world. Le- oh, no, <laughs> good on the ship. Yay. <laughs> and looking over the questions you sent, I'm like, actually, yeah, we got got most of the things. Yeah. yeah. Good for us. Awesome. Yeah, we did it. Woohoo. <laughs> it's almost like we know what we're doing. We're getting there. <laughs> Save it till you make it. <laughs> <laughs>